This is the podcast that comes at boxing from every angle, from the fans' opinion, expert analysis, and the added insight of what the bookmakers think might happen. Welcome to Puncher's Chance on the Pinnacle Podcast. We are back for another episode of Puncher's Chance on the Pinnacle Podcast. More fights to look ahead to, more betting markets to analyse, and with me to go through it all is our two boxing experts. Chris McCarthy, here from Pinnacle. How are you, Chris? All good, Ben. Good, Ben. Thanks, uh, thanks for having us back on. No worries. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, and Tom Craze from the Boxing Betting Show. How's things with you? Really good, thanks, Ben. Great to be back. Nice, yeah, it's going to be a, a good episode today, I reckon. We've got so many decent fights to to look ahead to. Obviously, um, we, we tend to do these month to month. There was uh, quite a few fights that we talked about last time around and some some surprising results, some some decent finishes and, and some good action to look at. So I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll start off by maybe just a bit of a rewind and look at kind of what we were analysing before and what actually played out. Um one of the ones to start with, Javonta Davis uh, against Leo Santa Cruz. Short short favourite, pulled through, but did it in, in pretty uh, devastating fashion. Has that has that fight told you any more about how good Davis is, Chris? What, what do you think what do you think about the fight and where do you think Davis goes from here? Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, what a knockout it was. That was um, absolutely devastating. I think I've watched it about 65 times since he actually knocked him out. So it's... Uh, it was a it was a great finish. Um, in terms of where I kind of see where he sits, it hasn't changed too much. One thing that I did notice is I thought that I thought that Santa Cruz was actually boxing pretty well um, to start with, um, but in the end, he kind of ended up trading a little bit too much um, and kind of paid the price of being the smaller man. I mean, one thing that was quite quite interesting to see was he was actually probably he was probably the first opponent that I've seen kind of give Davis some actual trouble um and then Davis actually adapted quite well to kind of change his style up a little bit and get what was a devastating finish in the end so that was something that I saw from Davis that kind of said to me like yeah you know this guy is you know he's got a bit of boxing ability about him rather than just being this kind of devastating finisher um I think in the end it was a Santa Cruz was just too small. Um, Tank pretty much kind of just walked him down. um, And he's got this kind of strange style where he kind of, he kind of lets, lets the punches go when he's in range, but when he's out of range, he's kind of, he's kind of always looking, looking for that opening. And it seems, seems at the minute where he's kind of, he's boxing these guys who are maybe a little bit smaller than him and he can kind of push them back. But when he's pushing these guys back, he just kind of walks them down, walks them down. He traps them into the corner and he kind of starts letting his hands go and stuff. So it would be, for me, it would be interesting to see him in with someone who is of the same size as him and who's of what is regarded as a similar kind of level and ability to him, where when he does kind of get into range and start letting them bombs go, they, they're not going to really allow him to just do that. Whereas I think with the Santa Cruz fight, it was, as you could see, he was like backed up against the ropes. He was kind of, in the end, he was almost swinging 
you know, just just for hope. And it, he kind of just ran out of steam. And I think it was only, it was pretty inevitable what was going to happen if that had gone on. And then, I mean, when he backed him up and I wasn't expecting him to, to go like that because that knockout was insane. But um, but it was, uh, it was I was expecting him to, to stop him. And when I was watching it, I got to around about round five and I was like a kind of sense that the end was coming. Um, when he did stop him like that, that kind of like sat up and took note. But I was definitely sensing it. I mean, like I say, we'll maybe touch on it at a later time, but putting him in with someone like a Tiafimo Lopez who won't let him kind of walk forward like that and kind of stand there. He's going to kind of hit back. So it would be interesting to see what he's like boxing on the back foot when he gets backed up. Kind of, well, you know, how will he adapt to that? He might, you know, he might be brilliant. He might, uh, he might be, a, you know, might be able to box brilliantly on the back foot. But it'd just be interesting to see when someone can change their style and kind of, give back what he's given as such to see how good he is. But in terms of how much I rate him, I think he's a brilliant fighter. Um, I've rated him long before this, and I think he's one that will go kind of right to the top. And I think we'll see him in some real kind of big fights over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think we pretty much called it before, and, and you guys were, were in consensus when we were we were talking about it pre-fight. Tom, was it was it simple as it looked, plain sailing, and, and for Davis, it's just on to the next one? What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, Chris, I mean, obviously it was a, a spectacular knockout. And I think Chris touched on it there when he mentioned the the weight being an issue. For me, I was never I was never that much of a fan of the fight because I think there's still a caveat um, or there was a caveat going into it. And even after the fight, there's a caveat now. And you're saying you're coming out of a fight where one guy scored a kind of devastating knockout. And then you're saying, well, yeah, but what if it was against someone who was the same weight? And... You know, for someone like Davis who said, okay, I'm going to be, he's been at Super Feather and he's going to go on to, to lightweight. And then he's fighting a guy who's been at Super Bantam and at Featherweight and then stepping up. It's It did kind of feel inevitable. And um, the the fact that Santa Cruz did fold like he did, albeit to a, you know, a hell of an uppercut, um, it just made me, it, it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was kind of, yeah, what you know, what did you expect in, in a way? And I think... You know, certainly Santa Cruz acquitted himself well, but for me, Davis has got a lot to prove. Um, he's a fantastic talent, but he's also been criticised for, you know, he's, he's he's kind of been fighting guys who are a little bit past it, like Gamboa was, um, dragging up guys from a lesser weight like Santa Cruz. So I think now I'd like him to say, look, I'm either going to stay at um, Super Feather or make a run at lightweight and start taking on some really tried and tested guys at that weight, because this does nothing for his standing at, at lightweight, you know, he's clearly in the mix there. Um, but but beating a guy who's, who's never even fought at lightweight like um, Santa Cruz hadn't doesn't really doesn't really answer a question one way or another. Well, you've both kind of mentioned it there in terms of the weight, and I mean lightweight, the lightweight division now. There's there's been so much focus on on heavyweight, but it's you mentioned Tiafimo Lopez there, Chris, and about the the upset that we saw against Lomachenko. Obviously, a, a pretty big surprise, not just in terms of the result, but but actually how the fight kind of played out. And we often see that that people claiming that they should have won the fight when they didn't. Maybe if it if it went on a few more rounds, we we saw Lomachenko kind of growing into it. There obviously the the news of the shoulder surgery afterwards as well, and the the impact that probably played on his performance. But in terms of Lopez and what you saw from that, Tom, and and where he sits in the division, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? You, you touched on the surgery there and it it did look 
I mean, with that news in hindsight, you think, okay, well, piece that together. And that, that explains the slow start from Lomachenko and the fact that Lopez did neutralize him so almost so easily. He didn't have to do a lot to win that fight in in some senses. He, you know, he he had it under without kind of discrediting him in any way because he deserves all the credit in the world for it. He contained Lomachenko almost effortlessly. I think that's the way to put it. He, he made it look easy and it clearly wasn't, but I think he has so much more to give. Um, and what he did in that fight is proved himself at the very, very top level against a guy who was, you know, no worse than two, three in the world at the time. Um, Lomachenko, uh, sorry, Lopez rather, in terms of the lightweight division is clearly number one, um, to all intents and purposes, now the undisputed um, lightweight champion of the world. Uh, and everyone else is effectively in his shadow. You know, it's all Lopez's to play for. Um, he's the king, he's proven it. So everyone else now, whether that's Davis, um, and, and this is where Lightweight gets really exciting because you have this new guard, this kind of next generation of talent coming through. Lopez is is very young himself. Javonta uh, Davis, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, you know, these are the potential stars at the moment. And there are so many eyes on Lightweight Division, or the, the Lightweight Division rather, as a whole, that if these fights can be made, and kind of cynically speaking, I don't expect any of them to be anytime soon, apart from maybe... Um, the winner of Garcia Campbell against Devin Haney. The rest are very politically driven. You know, you've got Lopez at top rank. You've got uh, Javonta Davis at uh, PBC under Al Heyman and, and Floyd Mayweather. And then you have Devin Haney and um, Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell over at Zone in the US. So they, I, I suspect they'll kind of operate in their own circles for a little while um, until it gets to a point where maybe they cross over into really um, you know, real kind of superstar status, and we see the the mega fights down the line. And Chris, what do you? What are your thoughts on on that division? What we saw from Lopez, and and what might play out over the next kind of six, eight, twelve months? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an extremely exciting division. I think the key thing is obviously a lot of them are kind of young, up and coming, and n- none of them have really reached their full potential. And then you've still got obviously a few of. I suppose what you would regard as the old guard hanging around in like your Linares and Luke Campbell and fighters like that who are still good enough to hang with these guys and potentially even kind of beat them. Um, so in terms of the actual division, it's probably looking like one of the one of the hottest divisions in boxing at the minute. And I think the good thing about it is that it's got potential to grow. So a bit like what Tom was saying, where some of these fighters are kind of now coming into their own or en- entering their prime. I just, one thing I kind of hope is that we get the good fights when they are in their prime. So, for example, uh, you know, Tank Davis against Tiafimo Lopez. I mean, what a fight that is. I mean, I know, I, in terms of pricing that up from a betting perspective, I'd be interested to know what how listeners would actually price that up or even how, how Tom would price it up. I mean, I probably had two, you know, an even money across the board at the minute, but um, it's, it's a very difficult one. And in terms of kind of the style of that, like with a fight like that, when we were discussing weight and things like that, I think, uh, the Tank fight and also the um, Lopez against Lomachenko fight was so it's so um, obvious kind of when you watching these fights now and the weight is playing a big issue. I mean, with kind of Lomachenko as good as he is and he's, you know, he's brilliant. He's been amazing. He's, you know, he's so skillful as a boxer. But in terms of when I, I mean, I watched the weigh-in for that fight and I was, I picked Lomachenko to win that fight. Um, and I thought it'd be a hard fight. I thought it'd be a tough fight. Um, and I, but I thought like his skill would come through because what inevitably he's been doing is he's he's too small for lightweight. Like he's a he's a very kind of small 
small guy. He's naturally probably a featherweight, super featherweight, but he's been that good that he can kind of go through the weights and get by on kind of talent alone. But like eventually when you keep stepping up the weights and stepping up the weights, you kind of, you eventually find or meet someone that, you know, they are a bit too big for you at that weight. And I think with Lopez, he kind of, I don't know what it looked like to you, Tom. It looked almost like he was on the old Canelo vibe where he was, you know, he kind of come, he weighed in. And then when he come into the ring, I looked at them both in the ring and it looked, it, it looked like two, three weight divisions apart when I was looking at them. And I was, saw Lopez and I was like, God, oh, this, you know, this guy's, I knew he was a good fighter. I knew he was, he was looking, he looked strong, he looked solid, he looked a lot bigger than Lomachenko. I thought, you know, this is going to be a, this is going to be quite close here. I was still favouring Lomachenko, but I wasn't at all surprised. I mean, he, it was an ev- evident in the fight because he didn't get going until around about round seven. And I think what happened was, I think he felt the strength of Lopez probably early. Um, Lopez was going to the body quite a bit. And he, re- he probably realised, like, you know, he hasn't probably been in with a guy before that can hit that hard, is as physically strong as that. Um, and where he could kind of, with other opponents, he can manoeuvre around and kind of pirouette around him. He wasn't able to do that. Um, and I think that played a big factor in it. And inevitably, he was almost a little bit scared of letting his hands go. Um, and he was, I think he was banking on Lopez tiring out. So he was kind of, you kind of saw that as he was going along. He was thinking, oh, you know, this guy's going to tire out. And he, and he didn't really tire out. Um, and then it was a bit too late. It got to round kind of eight, nine, and he put his foot on the gas. And in all honesty, he was, he probably won, you know, the bulk of them rounds. And, but he just, he was just too small to like to, to get that going. And it, it did play a big factor. Lopez kind of, like Tom said, full credit to the guy. He's, you know, he did fully deserve the win. He, he beat him uh, fairly resoundingly and it was a great win. But I think that I, I'd much rather see fights between kind of, you know, tank, and Tiafimo Lopez and these kind of guys like Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney and these guys who are actual natural lightweights or guys who are going to move into like worldweight and see them guys fight when it comes with all this weight and someone coming up two weights and all that it's, it doesn't it's, it doesn't really interest me too much as well I was I was, I was a little bit skeptical when with Lomachenko and played out that way I didn't I didn't think it'd be as kind of evident as that but in the end it you know it, it was and it um it was pretty boring fight to be honest in the end there wasn't really too much that went on he just nothing really like Tom said nothing really happened I passed about eight eight to twelve but it wasn't even really too much to kind of analyze from it to be honest but um yeah I mean it sets up the division nicely and there's going to be some big fights in the future I'm sure. I think what I, what I would say on that is as well is that um obviously some of those fights are going to be tricky to make in terms of um Davis Lopez and so on I think probably the biggest threat to seeing these super fights in the next year or two might be the fact that Lopez moves up to light welter because he he's he's bursting at the seams already for lightweight and you know he's I don't think he's going to hang around very long and I think when you look at the lightweight division you have those four big names of five with Lomachenko um there's not a load of depth below that you have um Australian guy George Cambosos, who outpointed Lee Selby uh, the other week, he is now Lopez's mandatory for the title. I think we'll probably see that next for Lopez. But I think it may well get to a point where um, Bob Arum, you know, Lopez's promoter, is looking around and saying, "Well, if we can't make these fights with with Davis, with Haney, we'll just go up, you know, and and try and turn Lopez into a, a two weight champion." And I think that I think that may be the biggest danger to preventing any of the the kind of real marquee. Um, fights happening in 2021. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was pretty evident that he was, you know, 
almost bursting at the seam at lightweight. He was, when I saw him, I was like, he was, he was almost like Canelo. I remember when, um, I think it was Liam Smith when he boxed uh, Canelo and he said that when they weighed in, he like, obviously he looked at him and he was kind of staring at him. He was like, oh, you know, like this, you know, I can, you know, I can kind of, I can, I can take this guy. You know, what's, what's all the fuss about, you know, kind of thing. He looks, you know, same size as me and that. And then he said when he kind of entered the ring on the night, he got through the ropes and it was almost like he was staring across the ring at a complete different person. You know what I mean? It was like, he was like, Jesus, what's going on here? Like he kind of, the guy's like twice the size. And um, it looked a little bit like that with Lopez. It, he looked huge for a lightweight and obviously used his advantage and if he can make the weight then you know fair play to him but like you say I think that I, I think what is he 23 24 years old he's not going to be hanging around that lightweight for too too much longer and probably like you say move up in weight but there's some good fights up at there I mean there's you know Josh Taylor up at light well away and guys like that that'd be a great fight to see so even if he does move up there'll still be some uh some exciting fights that he's going to be involved in in the future for sure well, let's uh, let's jump up a couple of weight classes then, because one of the other ones we talked about before was was Usyk versus Chisori. I mean, it was his first proper heavyweight bout, should we say? And it, I mean, it looked early on like it could be close. Obviously, he, he dominated in the end and, and looked pretty good. I'll I'll go to you first on this one, Tom. Where do you see Usyk kind of sitting in the heavyweight division now, and and how how long is it until he or can he even? be in that conversation with the likes of Joshua and Fury and stuff like that? Or is it is it just a case of he's too small? I think, I mean, in terms of where he sits, it's... Chisora was, a, in in many ways, the perfect fight for him um, to be taking there. As Chisora is, is way well beyond kind of a gatekeeper, but he presents that... Or he Rather, he presented that style and that size that Usyk really had to pass that that kind of acid test to say, okay, I'm, I can be a heavyweight here. And he, he took some great shots, um, so that's a tick in the box there. He, you know, he lasted the distance against a guy who kept coming, uh, you know, coming forward. That's another tick. And before that fight, it was well, Usyk's only fought Chaz Witherspoon, who's you know a, a kind of a very fringe kind of journeyman. I think, look, Usyk is going to be a betting favourite against anyone not named um, Tyson Fury or Antonio Joshua, basically. Um, and although if you look at any, you know, recorded list at the moment, while he's not in the in the top 10 because he hasn't beaten a top 10 heavyweight, I think it's pretty clear to to see, at least it is to, to my eyes, that he is good enough to do it. He's good enough to take on the likes of, I don't know, let's say Joseph Parker or a... Uh, Kubrat Pulev or someone of, someone of that ilk. And I think he already realistically sits maybe three, four, five in the heavyweight division. It's just whether he can take on the the really big, um, the really big names and the really big guys and, and deal with that. But, you know, there is an argument that Chisora was stylistically a tougher fight for him than many in the top 10 would be because Usyk is going to thrive at, when fighting anyone who's kind of happy to sit at mid-range or on the outside that's you know that's what he wants them to do Chisora started very well and you know really tried roughing him up in the first two three rounds before he switched on and started you know um taking over but yeah I I think I think it's all there for him to be honest I don't think the size is an issue I don't think the chin is an issue uh and talent wise it's um he's got all the talent in the world so he's he's going to be a real a real problem and the I guess the good news for fans is that he's already mandatory to um, Joshua's WBC uh, sorry WBO title, and um, and has already said you know he he doesn't just want a title he wants to be undisputed so 
he's not the type of guy who's going to shy away. I I would be surprised if he kind of relinquishes the WBO position for for any kind of step aside fee. And he, you know, he's he's um he's he's right there. What about your your thoughts, Chris, on the the current heavyweight division and, and where Usyk slots in? Yeah, I totally agree with Tom. I think he's uh he's right up there. Um, I think I. I've said this all along, and I, I believe he can he can beat Anthony Joshua. Um, in terms of boxing ability, I think he's a far better boxer than Joshua. It's again just going back to the size issue. Um, obviously, Joshua is very explosive. He is bigger than Usage, so that could be, you know, a factor in that fight. Um, Tyson Fury might be a bit too big for him, but then again, Fury in the past has struggled against you know Steve Cunningham and people like that who, who was a who was a cruiserweight and he's probably smaller than Usyk. So um, Fury's had a couple of performances recently before Wilder as well, where he's boxed kind of shorter guys and they give him a lot of trouble. So maybe it might be that, you know, Fury Fury struggles with guys that are actually a bit smaller rather than someone who's actually his own size. It does does kind of happen. And I mean, in the Chisora fight, it kind of, it didn't, it, it went as we expected. I think everyone kind of thought it was going to go that way and it played out pretty much to plan how everyone thought it would so in terms of showing us something that we didn't already know or didn't expect I don't think it showed us anything too much there I think what it did show is that he can he can mix with big guys because Chisora is a natural heavyweight he's boxed you know the bulk of the top heavyweights and admittedly he's lost you know to quite a few of them but he's always fairly competitive he's you know he's had some good wins as well so and I mean, he's a big, strong kind of marauding guy who comes down. He cuts the ring off. He, you know, he's just like a ball-like character. So to show that he can actually, you know, contain that strength and also, you know, box around and move and kind of, you know, as a heavyweight and kind of pick his shots nice. And he, he still looked as, you know, as fleet-footed as he did as a cruiserweight. So I think that will be an issue for a lot of guys. If I was, if I was advising him and if I was managing him, I would probably try and take him to the big fights as soon as possible because in heavyweight boxing like we've seen before anything can happen one punch can change your fight and it's notorious for upsets you know over the years and people like big shocks have come at heavyweight so I think that in terms of getting him into a big fight I would be angling for the Joshua fight as soon as possible I'd be trying to get him in with anyone anyone who's in and around the top five rather than kind of hanging around and maybe getting beat by someone who you don't expect him to get beat by. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see him. I'd, I'd love to see the Joshua fight myself. I think that him versus Joshua would be a great fight. I wouldn't back him, you know, with everything, but I do believe he, there, there is ways that he can beat Joshua, but obviously there's ways Joshua can beat him. So it'd be, a, it'd be an interesting fight. And this one, I'd, one I'd love to see. Um, I'd like to see him in with all of them. To be honest. Him and Fury would be a good fight as well. I don't, I think size, like I say, will be an issue, maybe, but it's it, it could also play to his advantage as well. So yeah, we'll just we'll have to see how it plays out. But he's, he's an interesting addition and a great mix into that little kind of pack of heavyweights that are that are kind of up the top now. And it'll be interesting to see a lot of them fights as we move forward. Well, I mean, look, we've we've chatted about lightweight and and heavyweight, just just two divisions there, and the amount of discussion and kind of topics to cover shows. I think how how good we, how good we've got it in in boxing at the moment. But let's let's get on to some fights that are actually coming up and and kind of dive into the betting markets and things like that. Um, the first big one we'll we'll look at on today's episode is Terence Crawford against Kell Brook. 
Uh, one that's, I mean, it's pretty, it's it's flown under the radar a little bit, I think, for a lot of people. It's it's obviously a big fight. It's it's taking place very soon. It's it's on this weekend actually at the time of recording. Um, Crawford is is right up there in the the pound for pound discussion we we had on the previous pod. 36 and 0, 27 knockouts, some some decent wins in his record as well. Um Kel Brook, he's, he's I mean two losses on his his 41 fight record against Golovkin, probably a fight that he he shouldn't have ever taken. Um and he obviously lost to to Errol Spence as well and the the eye socket problems kind of surfaced in both of those fights. He has had a, a few fights since to to kind of get back into the groove, but this is clearly a, a massive step up in class from those fights they they don't come much more sided one-sided when it when it comes to the odds um pinnacles at 10.75 on on kelbrook and 1.054 on crawford so that's a 90 percent yeah, <laughs> win probability on crawford um two questions for you chris firstly is it is it that much of a mismatch that the odds are making out? And secondly, if if anyone is looking to back Brook here, how does he go about and win the fight? Yeah, I mean, firstly, looking at the odds, they are they're staggering. I mean, I've looked at them earlier, and it was one point zero five four for Crawford, which is kind of roughly a ninety one percent chance of victory. Um, Brook ten point seven five, about nine percent chance. That's, I mean, that's looking at it on the surface you would look at it and think that's kind of crazy but then obviously Terence Crawford is you know like you say the pound for pound kind of one of the best fighters in the world and I think I think the reasoning behind these odds is that makers and a lot of opinions from people I've seen are that Brooke is past his best um a little bit long in the tooth and also a key factor is his training camp where People have looked into the fact that he's he's not working with Dominic Ingle for this fight, so he's um, he's appointed kind of an unknown trainer, and he's training also with one of his kind of mates, who's Adam Etches, who's an ex ex uh, pro boxer himself, who's retired. But what people are looking at with that is they're probably thinking that he's kind of getting a cheap camp in, and you know he's going to take all the money, and it's kind of a sell out fight, so he doesn't have to pay out the you know ten percent trainer fee to someone, and he's kind of people so they're kind of thinking that you know he's just going to roll over i i i think this will actually be a good fight um i don't i i don't think he's going to win um and you'd probably be crazy to think someone is going to win when they're 1.0 against 1.054 but i do think this will be more competitive than their mods suggest um i think that with brooke there's a few factors in this fight that's quite interesting because Crawford, for me, as good as he is, and he is one of the best fighters in the world at at the minute, his record doesn't have a real standout name in it. If people look at his record, it's like, who has he beaten who's a top-class fighter? He's got some good wins on there, and he's looked impressive in all them fights, but until he can beat someone who's, you know, a pound-for-pound type fighter themselves, um, I'm still yet to be convinced of him at that level that he's like this, you know, this all-time kind of great fighter that people are saying. And I think I think a fact in this as well is that Crawford as well is coming up through the weights. So Crawford has come up from lightweight through to weight, whereas Brooke will be coming down in weight. Um, I mean, you mentioned it there, Ben, that Brooke, um, although he, he lost and lost quite convincingly, but he has boxed as high as middleweight against Golovkin. So when you look at that and you're kind of 
comparing that, it might be detrimental to him coming down in weight, but it might be an advantage as well. Um, another few factors as well. I think Brooks, I mean, looking at him, he looks in tremendous condition. Um, been looking at some of the, you know, kind of the videos online and things like that that he's been doing over in Vegas. Uh, looks in great shape. Um, he, I mean, at his best, Elbrook, at his best, when he beat Porter, he was, for me, was a top welterweight. He was, he has probably been a little bit mismanaged in his career and the Golovkin fight was one that he never should have probably took. But then on the flip side, he's obviously made a lot of money out of it. So it's how you weigh it up that way. But in terms of boxing and his career, he never should have took that fight because he was, for me, he was in a position after that um, Sean Porter fight to pretty much, you know, become the number one welterweight and put together some good wins and kind of make a lot of money for a different route than fighting someone like a Golovkin, who at the time was, you know, at the peak of his powers, kind of coming over to the UK to boxing. It was a bit silly in my eyes. But, um, yeah, he's a top welterweight. He's he, he's probably a little bit long in the tooth to be able to win this fight. Um, it will inevitably, I think, come down to kind of, I think he'll start off well, he'll box well. I think I think the, the, the way he's going to have to kind of win this fight is, is almost... Does Terence Crawford think he's kind of easy bait and does he think he's going to just come in and kind of walk through him? And if he does think that and Brooke can kind of get about him, stick him, stick it on him, because he's, he's a decent puncher, Brooke as well. He's quite explosive. If he's still got that in him, he can kind of shake up Crawford's unsettling rhythm a little bit and go for it that way. That's his best chance of victory, I think. Um, will he win? I don't think he'll win, but I do think that he'll give a decent account of himself. And I think it will be it will be it will be closer than their mods suggest, although he won't win, but if you get what I mean, it will look it will look better than fighting someone who's one point zero five four. Well can you maybe not make a case for him to win, Tom, but can you make a case for it to be a decent fight and perhaps a, a better one than the odds suggest? Yeah, I think you can. Um I think twenty to one on for Crawford is is a bit harsh on, on Brooke. Um I think, but at, at the same time, I'm looking at the Brook price and in theory, the fact that Crawford's 1.05 and, and Brook 10.7, you think, well, okay, is he value? He probably is um, slight value, but I can't, I'm, I'm really struggling to make a case for him here. There are so many, um, there are so many intangibles about this fight and there are so many kind of red flags that make me think, well, even if he's a live underdog, they're there's just a few warning signs here. We mentioned um, the Sean Porter win. Fantastic win. You know, Sean Porter still what a top five welterweight even now. But that, that was six years ago. Um, since then, he's had not one eye socket broken, Brooke, but but two. Um, and, I mean, it's really hard to say whether a fighter can be the same after kind of fearing for your eyesight twice in your career in consecutive fights. Um and the other thing is inactivity. We just haven't seen enough of Brook, really. He didn't fight uh, at all last year, um, fought twice in 2018, once in 2017. Um, and in 2018, he fought, you know, really kind of middling middling guys. So it's been a long time since he's fought anyone, anyone good, frankly. Um, and it's been an even longer time since he's beaten anyone at, at this kind of level. He's fought some, obviously, you know, Errol Spence's, Either or with Terence Crawford is the best way to wait in the world. I think it is Crawford. Um, you know, there are so many warning flags here. Why did Brooke break from his promoter? Why has he um, moved the kind of TV network? Why has he got rid of his camp? Is it because he's kind of 
wanting a change and, and you know really kind of giving it a run or is he just trying to take the biggest money fight he possibly can and and kind of cash out and retire after this I don't know I, I certainly want, don't want to you know cast that aspersion on him to, to say that's what he's doing but at the same time this is a guy who said he's never going to fight at welterweight again and he's he moved up to um super welter light middle whatever you want to call it to say this is where I'm going to be making a run and that's partly why we never saw the Amir Khan fight and that's why we never saw Brooke take on you know the real big names at, at welterweight as well um so for him to kind of come out fresh boil back down for Terence Crawford it feels like a bit of a roll of the dice to me um I mean it, and how does he win um I think Brooke has to stop him he you know he, he I think he has to stop him I, I cannot see a way where or any kind of style where Brooke can outbox Crawford over 12 rounds Crawford is technically pro- probably the best boxer in the world um He's also the house fighter. He's he's a top ranked house fighter. So the judges will be potentially, you know, bearing that in mind. Um, Brooke is on the road. He's he can punch, you know, and that's that's the advantage he's got. He, and he's probably the, the naturally the bigger of the two. Certainly the bigger of the two naturally. But I don't. I ju- I just can't see it. Um, and though. Yeah, look, I think it could be a decent fight because I think Brooke will give it a go, knowing that this is probably his last big chance, his last big payday. But I just think that when Crawford wants to be, he's... He, the thing about Crawford, he can box beautifully, he can pick you off at range, he can do all the things that he wants you to do, or force you to do all the things that he wants you to do. But when he he has this kind of switch that flicks... And often that's kind of just after midway. And he just, it looks like he's had enough. And I can see that happening. And I can see him kind of turning it on maybe six, seven, eight rounds in. And I I don't see him uh, knocking Brooke out clean, but I can certainly see the ref stepping in uh, and just waving it off. Because once he gets started, he's he's a joy to watch. I, You know, Brooke, he's got name value. And there is an argument this will be um, Crawford's best win, but... Brooke isn't a top ten welterweight even at this point, and and Crawford is, you know, num- number one. It's I, I, I'd like to make a case for it, and I think it will be an okay watch, but I, I can't see Kraus past um, past Crawford here at all. I'm afraid. Well, it's it's interesting to hear you bucket the rounds there in six, seven, eight, because one of the things I was going to ask is with betting on boxing, you you you're quite restricted in terms of the markets and certainly when it's it's a a matchup like this with the odds that we see, it's not like your soccer and, and for UK listeners football or, or the NBA or NFL where there's a, a plethora of markets for people to choose from. There isn't there isn't that much. So is it one do you think this is a case where you can dig into the alternative markets to find value and maybe it's the getting the stoppage right for how the fight might play out or or is it just a case of it's it's one that's kind of a, a bit of a stay away just because it's such a mismatch? I think, I mean, if you are going to get involved with this fight, as I've as I've said there, kind of implied that you, I think you have to start looking at the methods of victory. Um, I wanted to see one point five plus for the Crawford stoppage, and that was my kind of tissue price. And I had my fingers crossed that that's what we get. It, it's opened a bit shorter than that. Um, there's one point three six, one point um, one point four, one point four four. So it's a little bit shorter than I want, but I, I do think it's it's pretty well priced, really. Um, the line um, the line prop is interesting, uh, and I think it's been pitched very well. Um, 
I think it's over under 9.5. Now, if you heard me a minute ago say around six, seven, eight, and the and, and the line is pitched at 9.5, it's it's in that region of the fight where Crawford tends to tends to turn it on. He doesn't tend to stop guys very early. Um, Brooke has been stopped late. You know, it was, I think it was around 11 against um, Spence, 10 or 11 against uh, Errol Spence. And he, he's durable. You know, he's got a decent chin. Um, I think I would go under if forced. Um, it's a slightly better um, price as well. Um, under, I think with Pinnacle at the moment, is what 1.97. So just a shade under evens, 51%. Um, bearing in mind that I think Brooks' best route to victory is a knockout, I would be tempted to say under, but it's... I think it's going to come in that last third of the fight if the stoppage comes at all. Is there anything from you in the alternative markets, Chris? Yeah, uh, similar to Tom. I think Tom touched there. I think, like we said, Brooks, kind of best chance is probably, you know, he is probably rolling the dice. I think that if anything, his best hope as well is that Crawford and Crawford's team have underestimated him and he can come in here and kind of cause a shock and kind of buzz Crawford up early. Um, and make a real kind of real kind of fight of it because I don't think he can outbox Crawford and like you said he's the, he's the away fighter and everything's stacked against him. Um, the the thing that people will look at is obviously that Brooks quit a couple of times um, and Crawford notoriously doesn't really kind of put guys away early, um, kind of more wears them down and the boxer you know, works the body well and things like that. So the 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 angle that you'd probably be looking at this fight is probably him wearing Brooke down and stopping him. Um, in my head, I'm probably thinking around, like Tom said, probably around about the midway point to around about 10. Um, there is a scenario, like we mentioned earlier, where you can see here him getting kind of grinded down, giving it a good effort, but ultimately getting stopped. Um, I think that will that is probably what will happen. Um, and inevitably, he'll lose. It's, it's difficult to difficult in to, to kind of pick rounds in boxing betting because it's you don't you don't physically know what a guy is going to do in a certain round it's more when I'm betting on boxing as well it's more I'm more obviously more pick the you know, rounds like seven to nine because you're, you're squaring off you're not getting quite as good odds but it's kind of covering covering a few different angles because it's very hard to pick kind of individual rounds but in this probably in this fight I'd if I was to make make a case on this it'd be between round six to ten for Crawford um, to get the stoppage, I think he'll probably be stopped his feet or kind of pulled out at some point from taking a bit of a bit of a beating. But I think he'll give it a good go, and I think it I think it will be a good fight. I think it will be slightly better than them odds suggest, and I'm hoping it. Will. I'm hoping it will. I've always liked Brook as a fighter. I think he's a good. I think he's a good fighter, and if he can if he can turn back the turn back the clock as such and put in a good performance, I think it will be competitive. Um, like whether he does do that or not, I, it's, it's hard to tell. But I think, um, yeah, six to 10 Crawford, I think that he'll start to put his foot on the gas around about, around about the midway point and try and get the stoppage uh, against Brook. And we probably see something similar to like we saw against Errol Spence when he was kind of just run out of gas and stopped kind of late on. Like something similar to that scenario I see kind of happening here. All right, then, well, I'll, I'll move us on to a fight that, that maybe has a little bit more to it from a, a betting perspective. We've got Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce in, in late November. Obviously, this is a, a real big one for British boxing fans, but it's, it's definitely got the makings of a good fight sort of globally as well, and that there will be a lot of interest in it, and one that 
it, it makes for an interesting betting market, I think, as well. Dubois is the clear favourite according to Pinnacle's odds. He's, he's priced at 1.215. Um, then we've got Joyce at 4.5. In, in terms of percentages, that's, I mean, it's pretty much 80-20. Uh, Dubois, Joyce at 79-21. Um, it's certainly a bit closer than, than some of the fights we've looked at recently. Where are you? Where are you thinking the value might be in this one, Tom? Yeah, I mean, value-wise, I think I don't think this is an eighty-twenty fight. Um, I let anyone who's who kind of follows my rantings on Twitter know that I rate Joe Joyce very highly, uh, and and to be fair, I do. You know, Dubois looks excellent. Um, Dubois is a very worthy favourite here, uh, and he's you know he is clearly the more likely winner of the two, but. There are a lot of question marks about Daniel Dubois and everything we've seen of Joe Joyce says to me that he's a, he's better than a, a 20, uh, 22% chance here. Um, I think, yeah, there's a, there's a real case for, for Joyce here. And what you get with Dubois is you're looking at him saying, well, okay, he's, he's, a, he's a fantastic puncher. He's, he's a younger man. He's a fresher man. Um, but the acid test for kind of big punches when they start stepping up is what happens when they don't bomb the other guy out in the first half of the fight. And uh, Dubois is, what, 15 fights into his career, um, won 14 by knockout, but he's only gone past round five in one of those. So if you look at the the kind of a real, the, the type of guy who's going to cause him a real test is someone who's going to stick around and keep throwing back into the later stages of the fight. And I think... There's something about it that just says to me that Joyce might well be that man. Now, there's every there's every probability, and and the prices will reflect this as well in the in the over unders that that Joyce catches him early. Um, Joyce uh, Dubois catches him early. Joyce is is slow, and the criticism of Joyce is valid. He's you know he's slow. He's easy to hit. He's kind of ungainly, but at the same time, he's got great chin. He's got great engine. Um, he's a kind of a, a real brute of a fighter. He's he's not going to stop coming forward. He's not going to stop throwing punches unless he gets hit and, and taken out cold. And I just wonder that if if Joyce can drag him late or into the second half of the fight, what happens when Joyce is still there throwing if he makes it that far? How does Dubois respond to that? We haven't seen Dubois in with any, any real credible test. And if you're looking at records and you're saying well okay I'm, I'm trying to weigh up a bet on the underdog here and I'm trying to convince myself that Joyce is value you have a guy who's got a much much deeper amateur career Joyce uh, obviously silver medalist at Rio um, medal- medaled at the world championships medaled at the European Commonwealth he's fought much better pros than Dubois he's he's beaten um, he's beaten Brian Jennings who's probably a top 20 25 heavyweight um, he's beaten uh, Bermain Stavern who was a former heavyweight champion very faded by the time that Joyce got him but a, a former champion all the less um, and Dubois hasn't fought anyone he's fought his, his best win is Nathan Gorman who is a British prospect of sorts but hasn't won even at British level uh, and Kevin Johnson who is probably the world's most famous heavyweight kind of journeyman he you know he's an expert at that at taking guys the distance, which is exactly what he did to Daniel Dubois. Apart from that, Dubois has been knocking over guys who he's been 100 to 1 on to knock out, and he's generally been doing it in rounds 1, 2, 3. I think if you're looking for value, uh, and as I say, Dubois is, is, you know, he is the most likely winner here, but 
for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't have um, choice at, at seven to two, and I, I think there is um, there's probably a, a bit of value in in opposing the favourite here. And what about yourself, Chris? Same same kind of thoughts, or, or is is Dubois play the the play? Sorry, even at a, a short price. Uh, yeah, similar. I I, I quite um. Well, firstly, with the price, obviously 1.215 for Dubois, 79% chance, Joyce, 4.5021% chance. I think that price is probably built in on the potential of Dubois, where the bookies kind of see Dubois heading rather than where he's currently at at the minute. Because uh, like Tom touched on, he hasn't actually boxed too many guys who can kind of test him. I quite like uh, the look of the overs in this fight. I think I... um. I wrote about it in an article for Pinnacle, actually, which this is actually a rescheduled fight from March. So I think I wrote this article about, it was like about 10 years ago, but the um, it was, I think at the time it was 1.675 for over 6.5 rounds. So the actual the overs opened at 6.5 rounds, which is very, it's quite rare for a fight there. So you'd, um, the bookies are kind of favoring an early, early blowout, which I certainly don't expect. Um, I think you can make a case for either fighter in this. I, I'd expect kind of money coming from both sides. Um, there's again, it's a great fight to kind of analyze. There's loads of like, intriguing kind of aspects and different event, different things that can unfold in the fight. I think um, I think both have got good qualities. I think both have got weaknesses. Um, Dubois, obviously younger, fresher, probably hits harder, got a better jab. Um, whereas with Joyce, like Tom touched on, he's more He's a slow starter, um, but when he gets going, he kind of he's a bit of a bit of a plodder, but he comes into comes into his own and he he's better than he looks. Um people, I mean, if you watch him, if the kind of someone who doesn't really watch boxing too much or kind of isn't too into analysing boxing and stuff like that, when you watch him, you wouldn't actually think he's that good. Um so a lot of people on online and stuff just think that he's you no know, rubbish, but he's not rubbish. He's beaten uh, top guys in the amateurs. He's got he's got a decent record as a pro, um, and if he was generally rubbish, he wouldn't he wouldn't beat them guys, and he wouldn't have won a silver medal. So that kind of proves that he is a good fighter. I think the argument used to be in terms of the amateur game, it was a bit that it used to be a little bit that because Joyce is thirty five um, and Dubois is twenty two, twenty three, I think. Um, so. Joyce is obviously 12, 13 years older, but he's quite a he's quite a young 35 in boxing. He hasn't taken no beatings or he hasn't been in too many grueling fights. So he's he's fresh. Um it used to be in the amateur game, it used to be that Joyce was kind of a man fighting kind of kids coming up through the ranks. So he was, I think when he medaled, he would have been like, you know, 31. And a lot of these kind of amateur guys who were coming up kind of, you know, 18, 19, 20, and he was so physically strong that he could kind of get wins against him. I think that was an argument from quite a few people as why he done so well as an amateur. Um I think in terms of the fight, I in terms of the tactics is what I, I I expect War to come out and try and put him away early is how I think they're gonna go for it. Um and it's just whether Joyce can actually weather that storm early on. I think that Joyce they'll probably try and catch Joyce cold he'll try and get him before he gets into a rhythm. And if but if Joyce does does kind of soak that punishment up and take that the fight gets very very interesting um as it goes along so I, I i quite like the um i quite like the price on this like i said for the over 6.5 um 
and I'll have a books over 7.5 because I think this I think this fight's got rounds in it um I had a look earlier I think it's around about 11 to 4 to go the distance and I think I, th I think that might be a might be a decent decent bet because I, do, I, I don't see a lot of people are picking Dubois to just come in and kind of blow Joyce away but I don't see Joyce as the type of fighter who's just going to get blown away he's boxed such a high level and he's never looked remotely like getting blown away um early as far as I can remember so it's certainly not recently um and so I, I quite like the I quite like the overs I wouldn't look to I, I wouldn't really look to the kind of the uh, the one by two market I'd more look towards kind of overs and fight going the distance I think the, for this fight to go the distance is not a bad not a bad price um yeah Dubois is I mean, in terms of if betters are looking to bet on this fight, I think you're probably better off looking Tom touched on when he boxed, uh, Dubois boxed Kevin Johnson. Um, although Kevin Johnson is a journeyman and kind of, you know, does the rounds and all that, I think you're probably better off looking at that fight if you want to go and watch that fight on YouTube or analyse that fight rather than looking at a lot of his kind of early knockout wins. I think that shows you a lot more of Dubois than you'll see in a couple of his, like, you know, his earlier fights and these guys who he he knocks over i think he's had you know two fights in the last year and there, there was one one fight i think it was this time last year he boxed the um japanese fighter who was fujimoto the guy who was he was it shows you how serious he was when he was he got he actually got caught by someone the night before the fight eating a bratwurst hot dog at winter wonderland so literally, <laughs> and it was shared, it was shared across kind of social media so it shows you the kind of the level of opponent that he's fighting um so they're clearly not taking things too well. This is a big step up for him. Um, I think he's definitely capable. Dubois is, I've heard a lot of stories in, in and around boxing and in around some of the gyms and stuff that he's, uh, you know, highly rated. I know that when he turned over as a pro, he was, he, every single promoter wanted to sign him. Um, he was, you know, a huge prospect and they've got real big hopes for him. A lot of people feel that he's under the hair to the throne for Tyson Fury to take over the division in a few years. Um, Definitely got that potential, and we'll see how good he is when he comes in with Joyce. Um, this will give us a yardstick to where he's at. I um I, I think the Bois will beat Joyce, um, but I think it'll be a think it'll be a tough fight. And I like the I like the overs on this, and I, I I'm going to go on, if I'm going to pick a kind of what we would say as a value bet or something where we can get a good price. I I definitely think the Bois on points is a good is a good um is a good bet on this one. I think you'll get some you'll get some good odds for that and uh. I think I think this this fight's got rounds in it. And I think Joyce is he's big enough, strong enough, and he's game enough. And in an all British kind of tear up, he's not going to want to lie down easily, and he's going to give it everything he's got. And I think it'll be a real good fight. And I think that Dubois on points for me is the is the value bet value bet here, which I would look to. Well, uh, an interesting angle from Chris there, and Tom, I guess just over to you for some final thoughts in terms of can you see this one going the distance? Do you think it's got rounds in it? Yeah, um, I, I can't. It, it's a really, it's a really tricky one to call. I, I can see that. Um, I can see. I think probably the only. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say the only angle I can't see is Dubois getting stopped early, but we, we just don't know. We haven't seen him against anyone as good as as good as Joyce. Um, I think an interesting approach might also be to look at the inplay um, because if it does go rounds, it's not going to be the type of fight. I don't think where Joyce is going to be at 4.5 after six, seven rounds, if it gets that far. So there may be an angle there. Um, yeah, I, I I just can't shake the feeling that, that Joyce is um, is a decent price here. But 
yeah, it's it, it's one of those. It's it's a fantastic fight, um, and it's going to tell us a lot about both guys, really. Um, no doubt about that. All right, look, we got we've got plenty of fights in between now and and when we'll record probably again in in a month or so's time. But we we got one more that I just want to touch upon. It's the the big one, the the one that boxing purists, I'm sure, can't wait for. Forget the the talk of the lightweight division, the heavyweight division. We got Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Um, look, <laughs> two un- look, they're undoubtedly talented fighters in their day. Unfortunately, their day was was 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, if that wasn't enough, you've also got Jake Paul and Nate Robinson on the card. So, so if anyone's interested in that, um, I'd look, we we know what it is. It'll be interesting though. Still, that there are markets up. It'll be interesting to get your opinion on it. Jones Jr. has been active, if, if you can call it that, over the last couple of years with really low-level fights. Tyson, I don't think he's been in the ring since the early 2000s. Obviously, he had a, a pretty steep drop-off after his career when, when it was at his best in kind of the mid to late 90s. I'm not sure much serious analysis can be done here. Tyson certainly looks in good shape if his, his social media is anything to go by. It's a weird one because it's... It's actually pretty evenly split in in, in terms of the market. It, it's 60-40 in favour of Mike Tyson at the moment. Um, that's kind of market consensus. Pinnacle doesn't have our odds up at the moment, but will do very soon. Based on what you've seen from the market, Chris, is there is there anything in this that would tempt you in to, to get involved in a bet? Or is it one that just as a, as a true boxing fan, you, you'd rather just sit there and watch it and, and not get too involved? <laughs> it's, um, I mean, from intrigue and nostalgia type of point of view i might even end up paying for it but i'll keep that on the quiet um it's yes yeah, it's, it's, it's i mean you've got you've got a heavyweight fight between joyce and devoir which we just discussed which is free to air on on tv and then you've got tyson versus roy jones that's on pay-per-view um it's it's an interesting one in terms of the odds and the books i had a look um earlier and the line has actually flipped about four times i think that it's, it's the odds are quite spread out across quite a few different books it was um it was hard to get a gauge of like where they're actually at with it because i think that when it opened um jones actually opened as the betting favorite tyson as the underdog and then i think obviously what's happened is a lot of money's come in for tyson just probably because it's mike tyson and the line has now flipped so now tyson's actually the favorite and jones is the underdog um which is almost unseen in a betting market especially with boxing um yeah, in terms of the fight, what we've got two guys in their 50s. I think Tyson's about 54, Jones 51. So it's about a three-year age gap. In terms of betting on it, if you want kind of an angle to bet on it or something like that, I mean, I've looked at what it is. I'm not, anyone can quote me on this if it is wrong, because I'm not sure ev- anyone really knows exactly what it is. But I believe it's an eight-rounder, and I believe it's two minutes a round. Um so in terms of the actual fight itself, it's actually an exhibition fight as well, which is quite interesting. So I don't, for listeners who are listening who don't know what an exhibition fight is as well, it pretty much in short means that they're not going to go in and try and take one another's, one another's heads off. Pretty much done as an exhibition for the fans. So there's an interesting quote from, um, I picked out, I think it's from the California State Athletic Commissioner, a guy called Andy Foster, and he's kind of urged both fighters to say, like, I think he's, I could read his quote off his here. It is an exhibition. They can exhibit their boxing skills, but I don't want them using their best efforts to hurt each other. They're going to spar hard, but they shouldn't be going for a knockout in a record book type of fight. 
So, I mean, looking at that, you would say, you know, you wouldn't kind of... We are talking about Mike Tyson here, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, when you look at that, Mike Tyson, I mean, is he the sort of guy that's going to listen to the California State Athletic Commissioner and think, oh, you know, you know, he doesn't think that I should go for the knockout, so I'm not going to. Probably not. Um, he's got kind of one gear, and that gear is kind of fifth gear, isn't it? So he's going to probably go in there to do that. On top of that, it's a pay per view in the UK, so they're going to have pressure to kind of perform and put on a show. Um, I believe it's twelve ounce gloves as well, so obviously that will make a difference in terms of a, in terms of a knockout because bigger gloves, it's harder to knock someone out. The bigger the gloves are. Um, if in terms of an angle on this, I mean, Tyson is the favourite. Um, I'm presuming they're going to sell this fight on the back of putting a load of videos up of Tyson looking incredible shape uh, on Twitter and YouTube and things like that. Um, he was absolutely finished 15 years ago when he was losing to guys like Brian McBride and Danny Williams and stuff like that. I, I would favour, from a betting angle, I would actually favour in an exhibition in this, uh, Roy Jones um, and, and their mods. I would actually be tempted to possibly have a bet on that because I think Jones was active as I think it was around about 2018 um again he is up there in age but he has been boxing um fairly recently he I think he won his last four fights or so um and he's currently training um Chris Eubank Jr out in America so he's he's kind of active in the gym and he has been active in the gym for a long time now so he's for me he's that he's probably more focused on boxing i'd imagine tyson's probably coming in this for a payday um get in shape and kind of make as much money out of it as possible he's probably got a pr machine kind of pumped behind him that's gonna help him with that they'll come out of it and they'll both make a, a good few quid out of it um the key question would be how serious and competitive this fight actually going to be i think if i think if it turns out to be nothing more than kind of a glorified sparring session i would definitely lean towards roy jones to win it um he's quite still fleet-footed i suppose as as much as a 51 year old can be fleet-footed in a ring um tyson like you say if it's eight rounds two minutes i mean i even even back in 2005 when he was coming to the end of his career he was gassing after you know two three rounds so even if he is in shape and he is working hard and fair play to him he is but it's it's you know he's 54 years old and he's that's 15 20 years down the line from even when he was when he was terrible then so What's he going to be like now? So I'd favour, yeah, for if, if people want to, do want to bet on this fight and do want to kind of have an angle and some information to how they can bet on it, I would probably, um, I would probably look to, to Roy Jones on on points there and kind of, unless the only other scenario where I could see uh, a, a not a, a stoppage occurring is where Tyson generally just runs out of steam and he's just knackered and they and they pull him out. So that's the, the only really angle I could. But yeah, I'll I'll watch it and obviously. They're, they're going to probably get a few buyers for it because of the two names that are involved. And it's, uh, it's yeah, it's kind of classic crap, isn't it, really? <laughs> Go on then, Tom. An, an exhibition match, two 50-plus-year-olds. Have a crack at, at analysing that one. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time I've done any kind of betting analysis on a fight where the combined age is 105 years old. It's um, The the whole thing is it's a bit of a joke that got out of hand, isn't it? If you remember back in... I think it was maybe March or April, back in kind of the deepest depths of lockdown number one uh, in the UK, there was this clip that came out of Tyson in the gym, you know, maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds long. He was working the 
he was working the pads with with some guy who's you know the, the pad guy was getting knocked off his feet by Tyson's power and everyone got quite excited because there wasn't any live sport and everyone started fantasizing hang on maybe Tyson can come back and then it's, it's kind of spiraled into this um this circus hasn't it um seven months later and it's almost like they've just got to go ahead with it now even though no one's really clamoring for it it's it's a weird one um I think the most interesting thing about this for me is how the fight would have been priced up the first time it could have happened, which is what, 17 years ago, after I think it's 2003, um, Jones Jr. stepped up to heavyweight, beat John Ruiz, and then was calling for this fight to be made then. And I think even then, Tyson would have been a firm favourite because he was by far the biggest, uh, the bigger guy, you know, 20, 30 pounds um, larger, much the bigger puncher. 17 years down the line, it's... Yeah, it's it's not something I'm, I've got any interest in, to be honest with you. But I will, I've given it a go. Um, I you think, watch it? Will you buy? Will you buy it? Tom? I'm, no, I'm not going to buy it. You know, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my money, uh, and I'm not going to bet on it. But if by all means, if if you do want to, then 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 enjoy it. But I think as a better, the the main question I'm asking myself here is how is it even going to work from a betting mechanic? Because in, in a, Chris, you've already mentioned the size of the gloves. They're going to be wearing head guards. They've got two-minute rounds, which we're kind of getting used to a bit in terms of seeing it for women's fights at the moment. But it's very rare that you get, well, you don't get a, a men's fight in two-minute rounds uh, in the pro ranks. How are these bets going to be settled? Because not all exhibitions even have a winner declared. It, you get to the end of the, the contest and the ref raises both hands and everyone goes home happy. It's, and it's, you know, they prove a point and, and that's that. There's not going to be any judges. There's not going to be any official scoring being done. I think what they've done is is sorry to I think what they've done is as stupid as this sounds is like and this might be wrong, but I believe they've made some kind of championship belt for it, which means that there will be a winner. Um, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work, but it... yeah, um, the WBC have put together this ceremonial belt um, as a quick way to you know get a bit of a cash and attention to themselves, but they they would put a belt on. You know, me and you fighting, Chris, if, if we have some nice So um, I wouldn't price that fight up either. Um, but look, I, I think, look, as you say, the, the California Commission have already said if it's a if it's an exhibition that gets out of hand, we will stop it. I don't think that would actually happen with with pay-per-views being sold. And Tyson being Tyson has said, yeah, we're going to go in there and we're going to try and rip each other's head off. We're going to try and kill each other. But bear in mind that he's got a he's got a pay-per-view to sell. So, of course, he's going to say that. Um I, I just can't, I cannot work out a way as any kind of rational better to say there is value in this price. It's it's not like, um, it's not even like the YouTube fights where you had uh, Logan Paul versus KSI and there was already, I think I mentioned it before, but there was a rematch lined up on that one. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, before the first fight, there was, okay, we're going to have this first fight and then there's going to be a rematch. So I said, okay, I'm going to put a few quid on the draw. Why not? And Lo and behold, they had this, their narrative for the, for the second fight. This is a one and done exhibition. It doesn't count for anything. I hope, well, certainly, hopefully, it's the last time we see either of them in a ring. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're making a case for a sparring session, you go for the younger guy, the guy who's going to be a bit better on his feet and, you know, can probably last more than 30 seconds on, on a pad session. But I, I cannot sit here in good faith, which is bizarre maybe for a betting focused podcast and say 
you need to take any of these prices seriously. I think I can see the argument that Tyson is 1.5, um, you know, two to one. I, I, that makes sense. Um, and I think 17 years ago, he would have been probably double that price. You know, I think he would have been maybe you know, 1.2, 1.17 or, you know, something like that. He would have been very strongly favoured. Uh, I just think there's a lot of nostalgia in in the pricing and this whole fight, really. Um, and we'll we'll see how it pans out. But if you have to have a bet, I wouldn't go odds on. I would I would side with Chris and say Jones Jr. is the way to go. But yeah, how 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 you how you, uh, how you kind of uh, make a case of that as, as value? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm afraid. I think um, like when I kind of look at it in a certain way, it's when you look at when Tyson was boxing kind of Kevin McBride and he lost back in around about 2005 and, and Danny Williams, he was, he was shattered after, you know, two, three rounds and he comes out and he gives it his all. And like against McBride and even Danny Williams, he almost just sat down as if to say, you know, I've, I've had enough, you know, this is you know, boxing is not for me anymore, you know, kind of thing. So this fight's going to be eight, two minute rounds. So if you weigh that up, what's that? Six, 16, you're looking at, you know, maybe four or five rounds of normal action, that's 15, 20 years down the line. I kind of, as good as a shape as he's going to be in and as hard as he's training, I kind of find it quite hard if the pace is even half decent to how he's going to actually make it through that. But um, it's, it's like you say, how how heavy they go, it will probably end up being in bet- somewhere in between kind of what an exhibition should be and what a real fight should be with a few kind of hairy moments where Tyson comes out and tries to like, take his head off and things like that. And it will be, I suppose, all right. But it is uh, it is what it is. And I'll, I'll stick with my bet on Roy Jones. Roy Jones on points. Uh, I'm going for that big value. All right. Well, let's uh, let's look at the odds for, for Jake Ro- Jake Paul and, and Nate Robinson. No, I'm, I'm joking. I, w- I, w- I wouldn't do that to you guys. I wouldn't do that to our listeners. Um, I was about to. Uh, I was about to turn up the mic. Um, that that is it for today. Um, as we said at the top of the show, we we are in a really great p- place with boxing at the moment. It's it's going to make for some decent shows certainly in the months ahead. I look forward to chatting to you both then. But for now, thanks for coming on and, and taking time out of your schedule and, and sharing some of your insight for our listeners. No problem, yeah. Pleasure to have us, Ben. Thanks. Pleasure, Ben. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. All of the odds that we've discussed today are on, available on Pinnacle.com. Good luck with any bets, and remember to always gamble responsibly.